IDC Radio. Hello, I'm Bar Ruven. I'm the co-founder of the CAT 669 Alumni Association and the Executive Vice President of Development for the American Friends of Unit 669, aka AFU 669. In addition to my work, I'm an entrepreneur. I sold my first startup called Mishlochov a few years ago, and I'm now the co-founder and CEO of Disher. And I'm Dr. Jonathan Pfeffer. I'm an innovation and mentoring expert. I consult U.S. and Israeli startups and multinationals on innovation strategy and on creating and maintaining a culture of innovation, which is also the focus of my PhD. I'm a mentor and judge at Harvard's Innovation Lab and a mentoring supervisor at the CAT 669 Alumni Association, among others. Lastly, I also teach innovation management here at the IDC, Interdisciplinary Center in Herzliya, which is graciously hosting us from their radio channel studios. For those who are not familiar with us, Unit 669 is the Airborne Combat Rescue and Evacuation Unit of the Israeli Air Force and one of four special units in the IDF. The unit rescues casualties, both soldiers and civilians, from any place and under any condition. beat enemy territory under hostile fire or civilians in Israel caught in emergency situations. During its 45 years of operations, the unit has rescued over 12,000 wounded soldiers and civilians. AFU is a non-profit organization supporting the unit and its alumni, many of whom become the future leaders of the Israeli society. We want to encourage them to make the most of their humanitarian potential. To benefit themselves, the unit and Israeli society. We are doing the best we can to keep up the good work of Tikkun Olam. Our podcast is called that way based on our mascot, the black cat, which symbolizes our unique skill set. Flexibility, alertness and creativity. Whatever the situation, we land on our feet and quickly adjust. Each podcast is 21 minutes long, six minutes to get to know our guest's unique connection to the unit. Six minutes to know them better, and nine minutes to get inspired and learn from their unique experiences, insights and advice. Our guest today served as a combat rescue soldier at 669 and also served as a mentor for a couple of years in the Ket Association's mentoring program. He is an investor, entrepreneur and founder of several startups around brain biology. His current company, Aviv Scientific, is a leader in novel applications of hyperbaric medicine. Don't worry, we'll learn what that means in a second. to maximize brain performance and fight age-related cognitive decline. Jonathan Preminger, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. So, uh, Jonathan, uh, we already know you. Is there anything else that you want to add to your uh, resume? <laughs> no, uh, maybe I'll mention that I was born in Haifa. I grew up uh, part of my life in the U.S., in Michigan, East Lansing. I'm married, happily married, have two great girls. Wonderful. Can you tell our listeners what, uh, when did you serve in the unit, in what role? I joined the unit in 1988. Um, I guess I was an 18-year-old with too many hormones, <laughs> you know, running around and having watched too many Rambo movies. I, of course, wanted to, uh, to enlist to some sort of elite unit. Um, but I also think that I always had this passion, I guess, more for the... rescue or treatment side than for the uh, combat well it involves combat but I guess I wasn't looking to take out um, you know bin Laden that was <laughs> so actually when I enlisted I was first drafted to I got accepted to start the course in uh, cat 669 but um, I had some spare time and I was uh, I was accepted to the flight school mm-hmm. flight Academy and So I said, well, well, I have some spare time. That looks like fun, so I'll start there. And then I spent about two months learning about clouds and, you know, atmospheres, et cetera, and smoking cigarettes and eating, <laughs> um, you know, a lot in the Shechem, which was then the, uh, 
And I figured, well, that doesn't really feel like the army. So then I asked to, uh, to leave in order to join the course on time. Just one thing that is memorable, the, the head of the flight school actually had me sit out for a whole day waiting for him to interview me and ask me why I wanted to leave. And then when I finally got in, he called me everything other than the word traitor from wow. the flight academy. <laughs> and he even said, well, 669, never heard of that unit. <laughs> so uh, it took me a week to get out. But... Well, it's lucky for him that he never heard of the unit because otherwise yeah. it meant he was rescued or something. Exactly. You know, he... exactly. Um, and then uh, I do have to say that after I did join the unit, after a couple of months into the course, I did rethink you know, my decision, say, well, you know, it wasn't that bad just uh, sitting in a classroom <laughs> and <laughs> learning about clouds. But anyway, so that's how I joined. And uh, do you have any... Um rescue mission or special operation that you can share well or any memorable moment yeah it doesn't well, have to be I, a rambo moment right well <laughs> i'd like to say that you know i could share it with you and then i'd have to kill you it's <laughs> not really true so i think there's one uh, probably that stands out also because there's a funny story attached to it so i think in it's probably 90 winter of 91 there was this huge storm and egyptian boat that capsized somewhere in the ocean and uh, one of the israeli ships tried to tow them uh, back to the shore it fell apart we were sent out i remember it was it was dark because it was nighttime and uh, the sea was very very high so uh, when we finally located one of them the uh, helicopter pilot said that uh, there's no way he can sort of get two people down and, mm-hmm. and back up into the helicopter because he can't do it twice. So we decided it was the first time that one person went down on his own. So I remember I was, you know, at the time I was very proud to be selected to be the one to go down. <laughs> Directly to the water or to the ship? No, so there was no ship already. It, oh, wow. It, it fell apart. So there was one guy who was a big... Egyptian guy was stuck in the middle of this, uh, how do you say, the little wheels that you throw off. Buoy? So, yeah, the buoy. Um, and he'd been in the water for like 12 hours, so he wasn't really conscious. Oh, wow. So when I went down, I was trying, you know, to remember everything that I was taught, and I, I tied him up and everything else. Um, and then when we started going up, you know, suddenly he opened his eyes, and he grabbed my hands, and he was a really strong guy. So I hardly... I, I, couldn't really move and then as we started going up I felt him slipping slowly wow. <laughs> through oh, wow. the buoy and it was like well either we make it up in time or he slips because he was just too big to put the little uh, mm. loop the loop around oh, um, wow. anyway so after wow. that um, about I don't know a couple two months later or something like that I was really curious to find out what happened to him so being fairly naive I picked up the phone I called the Egyptian embassy um, <laughs> to ask if they I called the hospital first and they said oh are you a relative because he left without paying <laughs> and then uh, and then I said oh I'll call the Egyptian embassy so I called the Egyptian embassy and then immediately after I got a call I think from the head of the unit I think or he was the vice head Moshe Edley oh. and he said are you stupid you know you're a soldier in the idf you can't by the way i still have no idea who the guy was or whatever well so if you're listening now ashraf or whatever your name is right we're looking for you exactly nice what values or principles uh did you take from the unit or from this experience specific experience to your after military service life your business life good question i think that probably one of the main things that i took away from the unit is the camaraderie Hmm. Two weeks ago, I went to uh, a birthday party of uh, Yoav Bilu from my, from my team. And the beautiful thing is that even though a lot of us are very different, uh, and probably in day-to-day, we wouldn't have really met up um, or, or became friends, 
Um, and we don't even see each other that much during the year because mm, we're all busy. Yeah. There's still uh, some sort of friendship that remains that is beyond, you know, words or actions or or anything else. So I guess it's what you share mm-hmm. that you take with you. So I think that's one thing. I think in my elder age of being over 50, uh, I find that friendships are uh, special and, and, you know, real friendships hard to come by. So... I think that's probably the best thing I took from the, from mm, the unit. It's a good thing. And I think as far as, um, you know, over my time in the unit, so you start off being feeling like Rambo and just wanting to do all the really dangerous stuff. And then hopefully if you get a little more sense as you as you age, you start, I guess, qualifying that with a little <laughs> bit of reason. So I guess keeping that, both of these things in balance mm. is probably okay. the right thing. Good. And actually you are also a, a mentor. For a few years mm-hmm. at the cat associations mentoring program I supervised the mentoring in the last few years but I think you were there before my time so would love to to hear a little bit how was how was that well I think first of all it's it's an incredible initiative um, and again thanks to bar I think that one of the other things you realize it's it's really hard to know what you want to do at the age of you know early mm-hmm. 20s or late 20s and I have to say even in my 40s I wasn't really <laughs> sure And, um, and I think that there's always place for, you know, if you're lucky, you find somebody that can help you, um, or not really help you, but, you know, discuss things with you, do give you a different perspective, maybe give you some tips. I think the, the important thing when you are a mentor is to remember that it's really easy to give advice. Hmm. You know, it's always easy to give advice from the sidelines. Um, and you always sound really, really smart when you give it. <laughs> Um, but you have to be very careful as to um, the advice that you give or mm-hmm. how uh, certain you are in that advice because people you know will tend to take it mm-hmm. and just run with it and uh, whilst you think you're a very intelligent person you have a lot of experience everybody's different and uh, you just have to be careful mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it's a great pleasure I guess the one thing that I regret is that because I'm so busy I have very little time. Yeah. to keep in touch with uh, the two guys that I worked with who are both fabulous people in different ways. Um, so I guess as I approach retirement, I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to reconnect. Well, maybe to complete with Ashraf from Egypt. If uh, those two mentees are hearing now, you know, <laughs> we're, we're sitting for coffee, the three of us. And, you know, um, from helping 669 graduates, I suppose, uh, alumni, uh, to nowadays, you're uh, founder of Aviv Scientific, which is... Uh, supposed to um, help all of us live a uh, healthier cognitive life I guess um, with uh, a functioning brain which is uh, not something we can take uh, for granted right yep. so can you elaborate a little bit about uh, Viv scientific yeah so Viv scientific was founded four years ago uh, basically based on about 15 years of research of Professor Shai Frati from uh, what is today called the Shamir Medical Center formerly mm-hmm. Asafa Ofe Um, and his work in uh, the Seagull Center for Hyperbaric Medicine and Research. Uh, I have to mention this center was donated by Sami Seagull, mm-hmm. uh, who is a very, very special individual and a very big philanthropist in Israel and with anything that has to do with brain science. Um, and basically what Professor Efrati discovered is um, that hyperbaric medicine, which has been known for many, many years, could also be used in a very unique way In order to trigger some very powerful rejuvenative mechanisms mm. uh, that we all have as older adults 
but are usually dormant and are really trauma-facing, so only activate mm -hmm. if something bad happens. And basically, as you uh, kind of ignite these natural uh, regeneration processes, you create um, an incredible environment for the body to heal. Mm -hmm. And if you think about aging, aging, um, you know, some people will say, well, it's just part of nature and it's just the way things go. But if we thought that way, then most people would still die at childbirth right. and most yeah. men would die at the age of 50 from some heart disease. Mm -hmm. So I think his unique perspective is that he treats aging as a disease mm -hmm. because he says it debilitates me and anything that debil debilitates me is a disease. And so he starts off by trying to measure it because in order to treat something, you need to measure it, be able to measure it and see if there's an improvement. But basically, by using hyperbaric medicine, according, I'll try to explain it as simply as possible, in order to trigger a rejuvenation, uh, we know that from nature, you can look at lizards and other species, um, you need a trigger because the body does nothing unless mm -hmm. it has a trigger. Um, you need a lot of stem cells that mm -hmm. are going to be running around your body. These are, for those of us who are not that familiar, I guess the best analogy is that whoever created us knew that there would be problems, but instead of giving <laughs> us spare parts for every little part, they gave us a three-dimensional printer, which is really the stem cells. Oh, I love that example. Yeah. I, start, you know, I studied medical research in my undergrad, and that's the best, I think, the best way I heard to explain it to people who are non-medically trained. Uh... I have to credit <laughs> Professor Shia Fradi with the analogy. He's very good at explaining complex um, concepts. Um, so you need a lot of stem cells because as we um, start aging, which unfortunately even for you two is <laughs> age of 30, uh, we just feel it a little later on. Um, most of our stem cells are dormant. They're in the bone marrow. The second thing we need is we need angiogenesis. We need to create new blood vessels mm -hmm. because one of the, the biggest issues with aging is that our circulatory system, our, our blood vessels, they narrow, they become firmer, and they get clogged, mm -hmm. like the tiny ones. So if it's a big occlusion, let's say in the brain, we'll say the guy had a stroke. If it's a big occlusion in the heart, right. we'll say he had a heart attack. But if it's a tiny little occlusion in a tiny blood vessel in the brain, the person won't feel anything. But, you know, a little bit of tissue in yeah. the brain will suffer from lack yeah. of oxygen. So we need new blood supply in order to really just support the existing organs, and obviously any new tissue. And then the last thing you need is you need a lot of energy because regeneration takes mm. a lot of energy. Um, and energy for the body is oxygen. Mm -hmm. So uh, in a hyperbaric environment, which is really, there's different kinds, but the ones that we use in order to practice our medicine, they're very large vessels. Just, right? Sorry, just to explain for everyone listening, uh, hyperbaric is high pressure, right? It's high pressure, yeah. Okay. And in hyperbaric medicine, we play with two aspects. We play with the pressure and we play with pure oxygen. So it looks, in, in many cases, it will look like a submarine. It's like a mm -hmm. big vessel. Um, and when you sit inside, we pressurize the vessel uh, for our form of medicine, only up to two atmospheres, which is really like diving to 10 meters. Mm -hmm. Everybody can do it. You know, Professor Fradi's treated people over 90 years old and babies a couple of days old. Um, do, do you feel anything different while, while you're sitting there? No, the only thing you feel is a little bit of pressure in the ear, just yeah. like when you're diving. And as long as you equalize the pressure, okay. no problem. You sit comfortably. And then once you get to the right uh, pressure, you put on the mask and you breathe pure oxygen according to a certain protocol. Mm -hmm. The combination of pressure and mm -hmm. pure uh, oxygen allows us to increase the concentration of oxygen in your blood in the plasma 15-fold. Mm -hmm. What that really means is you don't need red blood platelets okay. you know, while you're in the chamber and there's enough oxygen dissolved in the plasma of the blood to reach, you know, even places where there are small occlusions. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, it even permeates through just diffusion because mm -hmm. of the pressure. 
So what that allows us to do in this new protocol is we basically trick the body into thinking that there's a trauma coming. The main trauma the body knows how to sense is lack of oxygen. So as we increase the pressure and, and let people breathe pure oxygen, oxygen concentration goes up, but the brain, as fabulous as it is, cannot measure the absolute value. Mm -hmm. just understands mm -hmm. up, down, fast, or slow. So if uh, we then tell people, let's say, to take off the mask in the middle of the treatment, what you'll see is that the uh, oxygen level drops, body thinks it's going into trauma, and it starts this amazing People process. can see why I, Bar and I are <laughs> smiling, because we were uh, debating between yeah. us what's the, uh, what exactly is the approach, and I was telling Bar that that's the approach I thought you're, you're, you have, <laughs> which is so, creating a false sense of... Uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. The body feels a very sharp and steep drop in oxygenation, yeah. and it feels, oh my God, you know, there, there's some sort of big trauma coming. Now, of course, it's not enough to do this once, although you will see an increase in stem cells even if you do it once, but you need... The treatment is a lengthy treatment. It's mm. a big commitment. It's three months, two hours a day. Okay. Um, and in that window of opportunity, your body becomes more receptive to every form of therapy. So mm. if you do physical therapy, if you do physical conditioning, if you change nutrition, or if you do cognitive training, you get even better results. Wow. So I, I'll just mention one thing. Professor Afradi didn't start with aging. He actually started with treating brain injuries, stroke, traumatic brain injury, mm -hmm. concussions. People with like diabetes that. as well, right? No, there, no, there's research going on, but okay. um, they, they treat, uh, for many years, they've treated people with diabetic ulcers. Mm. So if you have a non-healing right. wound. But um, today, what is fascinating connected to the military is that Israel is the leader in treating veterans for mm. PTSD, yeah. um, which is a horrible problem in Israel, in the U.S., and many other places. Yeah. Uh, there's very, very successful research with this protocol. So Aviv was formed really in order to create centers like the one in Israel outside. We have two centers now that are active. One is in Florida, Central Florida. The other one's in Dubai, hmm. uh, which is a fascinating story onto its own. It's probably the best way to build bridges, yeah. you know, across generations of hatred is through medicine. So we're very fortunate. Two very well. different locations, Florida and Dubai, yeah. right? Very different. Florida is kind of obvious because Florida is, has the largest concentration of aging, mm -hmm. uh, of aging people in the U.S., um, Dubai is really a fascinating story. It's pretty well known now, but one of the, the top uh, people from Dubai was actually in Israel mm -hmm. um, for uh, treatments in the center for his family. Oh. And after he discovered the benefits of this, um, uh, of this treatment, he really said, I think the people of Dubai deserve to have this form of medicine. And we felt it was an incredible opportunity. This was years before the Abraham Accords. And mm -hmm. we felt that what a better way to build a bridge um, so we were lucky to participate in something. Is, is there anything else, even in Dubai or anywhere else in the world, that compete or do the same with different technology to you? In general, all, this, all the companies around aging, one of the big issues is that there's a lot of claims and very yeah. little evidence. Mm -hmm. People call it anti-aging. Um, you know, in our treatment, people undergo three days of medical assessments before and after. Probably the most rigorous you could show the difference. Because, and everything is empirical. It's, it's a medical treatment. This is mm -hmm. not wellness, not feel good. So there's nothing that has the effects of our treatment, although we're sure that over time there'll be many more things that we'd love to add to our platform as well. I must say that um, being the big science nerd that I am, uh, mm -hmm. I remember reading one, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, one of the studies about the lengthening of telomeres, yes. right? And, that, and that's amazing, I don't know, for people listening to us, because that's considered sort of when I studied medicine or, or medical research many years ago, it was considered kind of the holy grail and something that, you know, if you can reverse, 
that was considered, you know, if you can reverse the shortening of telomeres, you can increase lifespan. And um, anyway, that's also something you're you're getting into or? Definitely. So the first thing I'll say is that we, we don't make any claim on longevity because for that, you yeah. need 25 years of, of science. And I think today, though, the world is focusing less on living more and more on living better. Mm -hmm. So the idea is at some point we're all going to die, but you want to be as active and potent across every form of activity until that day. Um, so it's really focusing on increasing health span. And telomeres and also senescent cells are considered biomarkers of aging. So telomeres, again, a nice analogy is that there are these little caps uh, on top of the DNA. Every time the DNA splits, um, there's some sort of a little bit of damage. And the idea is mm -hmm. that these telomeres absorb the damage instead of the DNA. So they shorten over over time. So older people will have shorter telomeres mm -hmm. on average. What we found, and this has been published uh, in Aging Magazine, uh, edited by David Sinclair, is that we were actually able to lengthen telomeres, okay, as a result of this treatment. And the other thing that you would expect to see, which is senescent cells, which are cells that kind of get stuck in an unhealthy condition or precursors to a lot of bad things, uh, they increase with age. And so if you're making someone younger, you'd expect to see a reduction in senescent cells. And that's also part of that. Of that study. Amazing. So we have that. And there's also, uh, we test people cognitively, because at the end of the day, the idea to see, for most people, it's more about, well, is my life going to change? You know, am I going to perform better? Am I going to sleep better? Am I going to have less pain? If I'm not wrong, you moved from the gaming uh, industry to health healthcare. Is there anything special that um, attracts you into the brain industry? or just an opportunity, a business opportunity? No, I was always interested in life sciences. I guess that's why I went to uh, 669 mm -hmm. as well. I have a lot of doctors in my family, but I guess I was never interested enough to go to medical school. Yeah. But it was always fascinating for me. And actually my first job, so I actually trained as a lawyer, but decided not to practice. Uh, my first job was in an Israeli startup when they didn't call them startups yet in mm -hmm. 90. six i think or 97 that invented a painless injection mm. um anyway it didn't go anywhere because everybody started fighting about the ip um but then after i did my uh my mba uh, i ended up in new york doing um healthcare consulting for mm. a company called csc healthcare so somehow i kept going back to healthcare and then in gaming and, and my company ipo and i was i sort of thought well What am I going to do? Am I going to buy a Rolex? I'm going to buy a Porsche, which is kind of, or I guess a Jag. That's, that's what I always wanted as a kid. But I didn't wear a watch by then for many years, and I didn't think the Jag was very comfortable. And I guess what I decided was to, um, was to uh, invest in startups. So I invested in a medical startup. I guess it was 11 years later that the CEO of that startup introduced me to Professor Efrati. So, you know, life has okay. a very interesting way of working itself out. <laughs> And I was fascinated by the science. Yeah. And I actually did the treatment because I said it was so good. You know, I should feel I was so going to ask, how come you look yeah. so young? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I did the treatment. And, you know, I think it's an incredible combination for me. You know, people usually say that, you know, what you look for at some point beyond money is something meaningful, you know, helping society. So obviously that's part of it because you're doing good. But then there's this third mm -hmm. element in this company, which just makes me healthier. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not just because of the treatment, but just because I'm much more aware of different things. So can't hope for much. Win-win. You know, so, so picking up on that, on the aging process and your work there, how will aging, for our listeners, how will their aging 
process do you think is going to look like in 30 years or in 40 years? Or I think the first shift is a psychological shift. So my dad is, you know, 97, and he never thought to fight aging. You know, for him, it was something mm. natural, and you yeah. just start aging and you accommodate it. I think the generation after him, you know, you could look at the baby boomers, probably also because they're more affluent, uh, mm -hmm. we're all a little yeah. more self-centered, um, <laughs> thinking, well, what can I do? So it starts with a psychological shift and people change eating habits, they start exercising, they do a lot of different things. But I think that you can definitely improve, you know, health span. So you can make sure that people, and you, and you see a lot of people today at the age of 85, they're still yeah. traveling the world. They're extremely active. They're not sitting at home. Mm -hmm. uh, we understand a lot more about aging. So we know social interaction is extremely important. We know that physical activity is very important. And the more people are aware of that uh, and the more, you know, technology, by the way, assists technology, healthcare, there's a lot of different areas where we cater better to an aging population. I think people will just enjoy, you know, their elderly years a lot more. And a lot of people that I meet, you know, we one of our centers is in the place called the Villages in the U.S. You meet people there and they say, this is my time. And, and you say, oh, you're like 70 years old. What do you mean? This is my time. You know, I worked hard all my life. You know, my kids are grown. And now I finally have time to focus on myself. And they live, you know, probably better than the three of us, <laughs> you know, as far as their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So that's it's very encouraging to watch. Looking forward to getting older. Yeah, yeah. 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 sounds good. So uh, we like to finish our podcasts with uh, with the following question, which is, you know, you're dealing with science, but I'll take you now to science fiction. If you were to now magically travel back in time and meet uh, Jonathan just as he graduated or left the 669 unit, what piece of advice would you give him? It's an interesting question. I, I doubt if I would give him any advice, <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain why. I think that every decision I made and everything that happened to me led me to this point. So um, since I'm very happy with my life as it is and my family, I probably wouldn't change anything because then I might end up in a different place. I think there, there is one piece of advice that I will that I will mention is there's a lot of books that you read about how older people, you know, share this wisdom with young people about the meaning of life and what you should focus on, what you shouldn't. But I think at the end of the day, you know, different people acquire different things in different points in your life. So when you're a 25-year-old telling you, oh, there's no reason to rush, take your time, you know, go mm -hmm. to the beach, mm -hmm. enjoy, you don't want that, right? So I think that a lot of this elderly wisdom mm -hmm. is great for older people. Yeah. You know, uh, in my age, I appreciate it, but I don't think it would have been relevant when I was 30. Cool. Thank you. Uh, Jonathan, I wanted to thank you so much. It feels like it's part of another episode from the Black Mirror TV series. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the day that I will be able to, I will have the privilege to do this treatment and, and see what effects. And we want to thank the IDC International Radio and the Aspira Institute for the New Media Diplomacy in Ursulia for hosting us. Thank you, yeah, both, Jonathan Jonathans. and Jonathans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah podcasts uh, will be uploaded to Spotify, Apple Music, and we will advertise it through the AFU669 marketing channel. If you want to get our newsletter, the podcast episode, or to get involved, join our mailing list or write us through our website at www.afu669.org. Our next episode, um, in our next episode, we'll host uh, someone who got rescued by the unit, and he'll share that experience and, um, and other very interesting experience. Thanks again, stay well, and we're looking forward to our next episode. IDC Radio 106.2 FM 106.2 FM